The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Dex with the I Am Pitch Podcast, and I am back on this beautiful Easter day. My God, he has risen. Easter. Now, like I said, hey, I know not everybody's a Christian and not everybody celebrates. But if you listen to this podcast, I celebrate it here. Yeah, I get down with my Jesus, man. So, yes, he has risen. But not only has he risen So has my blood pressure this morning. Why? Because of all the foolishness that continues to go on in the world. And not just from that, also within my family. My son, this morning, and I can't be mad at the dude. He's a chip off the old block. Little dude is just like me. So we're getting ready for church this morning. He starts crying. I'm like, dude, what are you crying about? I don't want to wear jeans. I want to wear my sweatpants. Like, look, man, put on your sweatpants. We're going to look decent and go to church as a family today. And he's just in his feelings over having to dress up. And I thought to myself, like, you know what? I really can't be mad because I act the same way sometimes, especially when it comes to having to dress up. You know, if I could wear sweatpants every day for the rest of my life, I absolutely would. But guess what? That is not the world I live in. And, you know, I did the same thing with my dad when I was younger. Remember when we were driving to Fort Knox one day and I had on some jeans and they were tight and they were hot. And I was crying because I just want these jeans off. And I remember I just took the jeans off in the back seat and I was just riding in the back of the car in my drawers. <laughs> and then I remember my dad's hand flying into the back seat against my face and I put the jeans back on. See, but luckily for him, I didn't I didn't go that route. I could have, but I didn't I'm trying to do better and be better than the last generation. So, yeah, we you know, we had a good time this morning. But but no matter how much I go to church, read my Bible, pray, I'm always reminded that I live in the real world and I live in the real world with real people. And I live in a world where we celebrate Hollywood celebrities that are idiots and super woke. And we live in a very woke society. And I chose to partake in some woke media the other day. Why? I don't know. I guess it's me trying to branch out and understand the other side more. So I took it upon myself to watch the movie Karen. If you all don't know what the movie Karen is, go to YouTube and type in Karen movie and you will see the preview and you will think to yourself, yo, is this serious? And I thought that as I was watching the movie personally, like, man, I feel like this was like a a movie that was made to troll people. That was like it was like a literal troll movie. That's the only reason and purpose they made this movie. But y'all are probably wondering, like, dude, what possessed you to watch it? I ain't gonna lie. I was bored, man. I was bored. I was on a day off. I was chilling. I wasn't even drinking. I was just sitting. I was like, man, what am I going to watch? Then I remember scrolling through Amazon. And I was like, that's that Karen movie. Like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shake, man, just to see how crazy it really is. And it, oh, boy. And the, what made it even worse was I had to download this app. I guess, I guess it's an app with only black movies. And so, of course, you know. 
you get like a free trial and I got the free trial, but I made sure I canceled that joint ASAP because I'm not subscribing to no foolishness. I'm not I'm not doing it. I don't really care if it got all black moves and that I'm not I'm not moved by it, man. I like good content, period. I don't care who make it. But man, I cut that movie on, dude. Oh, uh, let me tell you all now. Save your time. Save your money. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Absolutely. I mean, the acting was horrible, horrible acting. I don't know how these people even call themselves actors. But the, the sad part is the actors that were in it are actually decent actors. And my thing was, I was like, man, they seemed like they was just bored or just looking for a paycheck. Like, hey, here's a part. Here's a movie. And I ain't mad at them. If you're an actor. You're trying to get paid, dog. Go get your money. Yo, but dude. Oh, man, it was it was bad, y'all. It was really bad. Just and the wokeness in the movie was just too much. But the stereotyping of, you know, Karen, the white Karen and the actor that played it. I mean, she played it. She actually did a decent job in the role, but it was very cringy. Just how overt and blatant the, the movie was to bash white people other than. Just all the stereotypes of the evil white racist police officer, the evil white racist Karen. And it was just like when the guy goes to the bathroom and it's well, before we get to that, it was like she was flirting with him. She hates black people, but she was flirting with him. And it was weird. It made no sense and did not fit into the movie whatsoever. You know, so she, you know, brings him into her house and, hey, take off your shirt and let me clean your shirt for you. He's like, nah, 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 just go wash my hands. And he goes into her bathroom and. There's Confederate flags and Confederate generals and pictures on the wall. And he's just, oh, my God. Oh, oh, I got to get out of here. And it's it was just so over the top woke. Then you had the stereotypical black guys walking in a white neighborhood and getting stopped by people. And, you know, hey, I ain't going to lie. I've been there before. I've been there before. I've been in a neighborhood I didn't belong in. And I had people looking at me like, oh, what is this Negro doing here? I ain't never seen you here before. Hey, hey, it's real. It happens. It happens, man. I've been on the receiving end, but I'm good. I speak the lingo of my white brothers and my white people. I know how to, I know how to get down in the white neighborhoods. <laughs> yeah, they, they, so, you know, it goes down that, and then it goes into the whole police issue, and, you know, the court system is all ran by evil white people. Oh, man, it just it just keeps spiraling out of control, and then, they invite her over, knowing that she's racist. They invite her over to their all-black party. And while they're at the party, Karen, you know, makes these comments like, well, if you're not happy here, you could just go back to Africa. And I'm like, oh, my God, they really went there on that one. you know. And, hey, I've had it said to me before. But, hey, I mean, it happens. Like, it's, that's reality, but, it's not, but that's not everyday reality, and that's not every white person you come across, man. It's just not. And this whole movie's just, oh, man, I can't even really explain it, man. I'm just telling y'all, don't, don't waste your money. Don't waste your time. So you heard it right here on the Iron Pits podcast. Your boy Dex, I give the movie Karen five thumbs down. Don't watch that garbage, man. Don't get bored like me and just like, huh. I think I'm a journey to the left side of things and see how they really think over there. Oh, my God. Don't do it, man. I'm still like emotionally coming back around from that craziness. You know, they just you can make a movie about anything, dude, anything. And not only can you make a movie about anything, you can literally just stoke the flames of fear in this country, man. 
I mean, the left is so focused on just continuing this divide, making white people evil and black people the heroes and just continuing this false narrative. And it's everywhere. I think I said it about a movie I watched a couple weeks ago called Master. Same thing. Same exact thing. Evil white people and it's in black people. You know, that's all we ever talk about. You know, but we don't ever talk about things that go around on the other side of things. And we just turn an eye, a blind eye to the pink polka dotted spotted elephant in the room. That is Jussie Smollett. This fool, you know, stages a fake hate crime. Gets found out. Gets locked up and is still proclaiming his innocence even though we all know it's bs everybody knows it's crap but this dude i mean he is going down with the ship still proclaiming his innocence and you know what it i'm still mad at the fact that this dude got out of jail because he was crying about it and saying that he was being treated unjust even though the system worked and found him guilty and he has to pay all these fines but what makes me even more upset about it was the fact that this fool just released a song the other day called Thank You, God. And I thought it was a joke. I was like, there's no way this is real. This fool really released a song. And there's one part in the song that says, uh, it's like they hell-bent on not solving the crime, and you think I'm stupid enough to kill my reputation? Just simply to look at like a victim? Like it's something fun. Y'all better look at someone else. You got the wrong one. Thank you, God. Wow. Dear black community, especially my light-skinned black people, I need y'all to come get y'all high yellow boy and sit him down in the corner and talk some sense into this fool. Man, and on Easter day, you're getting me upset and in my feelings, man. Like, dude, you need to be struck by God, by a bolt of lightning for throwing God, bringing God's name into your foolishness, dog. Are you serious? This dude is really, I mean, he's continuing with this madness. And this fool thinks we stupid, that he really believes that he's innocent. My God, like the mental gymnastics he has to do in his head to continue down his road to proclaim his innocence, knowing damn well he set this entire thing up. How crazy is this, man? Man, the audacity of this high yellow fool to make a song called Thank You, God. And hey, I know what y'all thinking. Hey, man, why you why you getting on him for being light skinned, man? Because this is very typical light skinned people behavior. I'm just joking, people. It's a joke. I know not every not. Hey, <laughs> you know how it goes, man. Dark skin versus light skin. I got I got to give y'all a little bit of pushback because, you know, that's just what we do in the black community the whole light skin versus dark skin i'm team dark skin jesse smollett he's team light skin and i gotta press him on his foolishness for it you know but i know what y'all think man dude you hate light-skinned people no i don't i don't hate light-skinned people you know why i don't hate light-skinned people i'm like white people when they get cornered by a bunch of black people they're like man i'm not racist i have six black friends yeah and i'm not i don't have anything against light-skinned people i had one over in my house last night him and his beautiful light-skinned family Shout out to my boy, O'Shaq Hennessy, a.k.a. O'Shea. Thanks for coming through and hanging with me. See, I don't have nothing against light-skinned people. They come to my house all the time. <laughs> you know, and this is Easter Sunday, so I know 
that I can't be so hard on Jesse Smollett because God died for all of our sins, even Jesse Smollett's light-skinned, high-yellow self. So I have to forgive him because that is what the Lord would want me to do. But that not only that, that is also what his fine, fine, fine sister, who was my childhood crush and still is to today, Journey Smollett with her fine self. Yes, I have a beautiful wife and kids, but just know, if my wife ever leave me, just know where y'all going to be able to find me at. I'm going to be going to Jussie like, hey, bro, uh, hook me up with your sister, dog, her fine self. See, I don't hate light-skinned people. I'm attracted to them. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, his sister, man, God bless her, dude. She, But, you know, she's on the woke train. But, hey, I like I said, I know that the Lord will want me to forgive her. And I wouldn't want it to be awkward at the family dinner when I walk in with her on my arm. And her brother's there and she hears this podcast and is like, yo, you was coming at my brother pretty hard. I think you need to go easy. And for her, I would. So, Jesse, in honor of your sister, I will forgive you for your trespasses, for your light skin trespasses, my man. I'll give you a pass and only because it's Easter Sunday. But I need you to stop the foolishness, though, all right? I know some of y'all probably listening like, what? what is wrong with this dude? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just keeping it real, man. Just keeping it real. The best part of me is... This is me, Sunday through Saturday. I don't change. Ain't no telling what I might say or think or do. <laughs> That's just my personality. So you got to love me as I am with my dark skin self. That's all it is. Don't be offended. I'm giving it to everybody. And, you know, I only talk about this stuff because I think it's funny. And I don't take anything too serious, although a lot of people do take stuff serious. But there is some serious business that we do need to get to especially in regards to America and what I was saying earlier about us constantly being divided amongst each other as black and white. But not only that, this issue in America with the far left victimizing and making white people to be the evil white racist monsters in America behind all the pain and suffering and all the mass killings and shootings and the evil racist white man that is the largest threat to America and the black community. That has been the unchanging narrative in the media for the last few years, ever since Trump got in the office. It's been everything is white supremacist this, white supremacist that. You know, it's sickening when you have a military general, General Miley, Milley, who unfortunately I had to, uh, I ain't gonna say the dishonor of serving under in Iraq and to see how woke he has become when he was before, you know, the Congress testifying about January 6th and he makes that statement, I want to understand white rage. Like, bro, we are involved in a war. Y'all messed up this Afghanistan pullout and this is your focus right now is understanding white rage and what happened on January 6th. That was foolishness. It was stupidity. It ain't got nothing to do with whiteness and white rage. But like I said, that is the constant narrative that's just being constantly pushed in our faces, you know. Just white people this, white people that. I mean, the only thing that the media wants you to fear is white people, the KKK, and white nationalism. But for some odd reason, the media ignores anything involving black people that happens in a negative manner. Anything. And you know what? The threat from actual black nationalists and separatists and black extremists, it's real. And we have seen that over the past few months and more so the past few weeks and nobody's talking about it everybody's just turning a blind eye 
And before I start talking about this some more, let me go ahead and say this. I am not talking about this to exonerate white people and to just flat out shame black people and make black people out to be monsters. I'm not doing this at all for that reason or purpose at all. That is not the goal here, ladies and gentlemen. The goal is to point out the facts of what's going on right now, because the truth is I can go back in history and look at any group of people in any race, in any culture and make a list of all the atrocities and trespasses from every one of these groups that have ever walked the earth. There is not one group of people on this earth that has lived a pure, clean life that has not done anything seriously messed up or hurt another group of people. There's not one group of people on this earth that have never been racist. That's just not the case. People are going to be people. Tribalism is a real thing. People are going to break up, you know, break themselves down into groups and protect their groups. That is just the that's human nature. Humans going to human dog. That's just simply what we do. And like I, said, I don't agree with it. I don't care what color you are. I don't believe in racism. I don't believe in white nationalism or black nationalism. I don't believe in any of that stuff. But we have to call this stuff out. We can't look at one group and say they are, that they are the worst and look at the other group and say, yeah, well, they're not as bad, but still. Ba-. No, we don't do that. We need to get out of this, this uh, where everything's so polarized and just looking at the extremes. And you know what? There's extremes on both sides. And I am not here to defend either side. But what I am here to do is to try to put down the lies the media is pushing. And while they're trying, you know, the media has this bias. The media wants you to be scared of one side, but not the other. When the truth is, you should be concerned about both sides because both sides will kill you. But also we got to look at what's happening currently and where the real threat is coming from. Because when's the last time we heard of a white supremacist going out and killing multiple people, anything sort? You know, it does happen. The whole incident in South Carolina with Dylan Roof at the church, that was jacked up, man. I don't know anybody that's like, man, that wasn't racist. Yeah, that was racist. It was evil. But when it happens on the flip side, we don't seem to care and nobody says anything and the media is silent. And if it's definitely even if it's a black person, the media won't say anything about what the suspect look like. They just say, you know, suspect at large or suspect arrested. But if it's a white person, the media will definitely say white male with Confederate flags, Nazi tattoos. You know, they, they will come out with all that. But for some odd reason, they don't give they don't do that to black people. But black people always get the pass. Even the light skinned Negroes get the pass. You know, anybody out here with a little melanin or a little bit of minority in them get that pass, man. And I think that's really jacked up on the media's behalf. But let me get refocused. So black nationalism, black extremism, that is a real thing in this country. And the, like I said, the last few months, we have seen more black nationalism and separatists on the rise. Like, what are you talking about, Dex? Well, Last Christmas, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What happened? I'm not going to say this turd's name on my show because I don't want to give him any clout. But we had the black guy who was a black Hebrew Israelite. And I'm not saying that all black Hebrew Israelites are violent and dangerous and extremists. I know some I have some friends that I know that are and they're decent people. They cool with me, maybe only because I have the same skin color. as I don't know. But I've also heard rhetoric from this group that's very anti-white, anti-Semitic. And very violent. So the guy at the uh, Milwaukee Christmas parade last year, 
drove his car into that parade and killed five people and injured 48 adults and children. And, you know, the whole thing was, you know, nobody knew who it was. And then when I finally saw the picture, I just knew by looking at him, I'm like, this dude's going to be an extremist. Because I've just been around it so much and I've seen it so much. I could just look and tell by the way somebody carries themselves and then the demeanor and just the the language. And I started looking at his social media and I was like, yeah, it's exactly what I thought it was, man. And that's not me racially profiling. That is me criminal profiling. I have had more than my fair share of counters with these groups. I'm talking about the Moorish sovereign citizens, black nationalism, black. I've had so many run ins with these guys and they just I could just look at them and tell like I and hear them and just the demeanor. I just know. I know it in my heart and I can feel it. And I was not wrong. But I mean, just this guy's social media in 2015, this dude shared a disturbing anti-Semitic meme that was aligned with the beliefs of the black Hebrew Israelites. And he it, on it, it said Hitler knew who the real Jews were and stated that World War Three would start when people learned Hitler was right and did the world a favor by killing Jews. And then not only that, this dude was a rapper, a horrible rapper at that. I sat through his music video just to get more of a understanding and hear what he had to say. It's horrible. I mean, it was right up there with the, it was right up there with the movie Karen, y'all. Don't even don't even listen to it. But one of his in the songs, the lyrics were, "So when we start back knocking white people the fuck out, I don't want to hear it. The old white people too, knock them the fuck out. Period. And when you hear it, and that let me uh, let me go get on a side tangent real quick. Dear black hood people, we need to learn to speak the king's English. I'm sorry." That is it. When I see that term or any of the term, it's I own I O N. That saying is I don't want to hear it. That's I don't I own. My God, that is one of like my. Oh, my God. I hate that word. I own. I don't want to hear it. Like, uh, let me like say I'm, I'm about to get started on a tangent. And Lord, bring me back in line. Bring me back back in line, please, Father, on this Easter day before I lose it. So, yes. But <laughs> yeah, you know, like just violence for the sake of violence and hatred man pure hatred and you know we had people defending this guy i read on articles and i started reading in comments i'm like people are really defending this dude like how detached from reality do you have to be to defend this guy this guy is a human piece of garbage i don't care what color he is he is not a good person he's not a good human being and then we had the other day the New York City subway attack. This dude, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to give this piece of garbage any clout on my show. But he goes to the New York City subway, sets off a smoke bomb and starts shooting. And this guy, you know, I, think, I believe they said he fired 10 shots and he hit like, I think it was like 13, 14 people. And okay, of course, thank God nobody died, but all these people were hurt. And from what I heard was that they found the weapon on the train and that it was a jam on the weapon. And so that's the only reason he stopped shooting. And upon hearing that, I was thinking, this guy is poorly trained and did this out of raw emotion because what person that has ever held a gun does not ha know how to clear a jam in a handgun? Though so that is like one of the simplest tasks and things you can do. Tap and rack, homie. That's all you got to do. And when I saw that and heard that, I was like, man, if there's anybody that I was glad that did it that day, this fool, because if he would have known how to clear that jam, it could have been probably been a lot worse. 
And that's been my one of my biggest issues with the, a lot of these people that go crazy is they're not trained, man. And there's sometimes nothing more dangerous than a untrained person holding a gun. And I will get more into that later with this last group I'm going to talk about, yo. But, you know, this guy, he does this on the subway and flees, you know, and NYPD catches this piece of crap a couple uh, a day or two later. And then I look him up online and there he is spewing hate all over his uh, social media. You know, it's a 62 year old black dude. I mean, and he was so consumed with hatred of white people and he was convinced that there was a race war that was coming. You know, he even had on uh, one of his posts that said, oh, black Jesus, kill all the whiteies. Then he also had a bunch of other stuff on there that was a rancid racist ideology of black supremacy and once known officially as black identity extremism, which has been assured by the FBI and other legal experts that it does not exist. That is absolute bull crap. That is more woke BS from the left. And you got to look at the FBI. They are actually a political organization, man. If they say something doesn't exist right now, you got to look at who's in office. That is Joe Biden and this sham of a freaking administration. I mean, this is the same president who was making that speech the other day on stage, turned around to shake this invisible person's hand and then gets lost getting off stage. That there tells you all we need to know about the administration and their connections with the FBI and how all of this stuff is just going over their heads. But nobody's paying attention to black extremism, which has continued to hurt people in this country, innocent, unsuspecting people. And not even that. While I was doing my research for the show yesterday, I get on Facebook and I see that there was another mass shooting in South Carolina at a mall. Another one. I was like, yo, this can't be another. It can't be. And sure the hell was, man. And they at the mall in South Carolina yesterday, there was a, a dozen people were shot. Thank God nobody was killed. It was a uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And police arrested a 22 year old suspect in connection with the shooting. And I kept reading through different news articles to find out who the suspect was and what he looked like. And I no article I read mentioned anything about this guy's race. And I knew when I didn't find anything about race on it, I was like, this dude black. Garon damn T, this dude black. And lo and behold, this dude was black. Young, a 22-year-old black guy, man. But I will go ahead out and say this. From what I've researched so far, from what I know, I don't think this was a, was a specific attack on the mall or all the people involved. Even the cops believe that this was a separate incident and the mall was not the target. But apparently he was beefing with some other people at the area and they started busting shots at each other and everybody got caught in the crosshair. But still, even the fact that you're comfortable going out here and just shooting off random shots at a mall and injuring random people. They had a 75 year old man that got shot and a young 15 year old kid that had nothing to do with this. But once again, this is black terror in front of our faces in front of our eyes and nobody's saying anything about it. This is going to be in the news today and tomorrow. Then it's going to disappear because this is part of the status quo. And like the FBI said, black extremism and all this stuff does not exist when it clearly does there. Like I said, I'm not doing this to crap on the black community. I'm doing this to crap on the media who refuses to acknowledge that there are people in this country that are dangerous, that are not white. That's the only reason I'm doing this, man. I'm not doing this to shame the black community at all. 
but there's an issue going on. And it's not just the KKK and white supremacists. And that's just what the media won't acknowledge. I was here personally when, in fact, part of my language, but the Nat fucking around coalition came to Louisville a couple of years ago after the Breonna Taylor incident. You know, they were also in Stone Mountain, Georgia. They are a black nationalist separatist group that hates white people and they want their own black country. And this fool, I'm not going to say his name either, but he's the leader, in fact, who's actually getting indicted because when he was here, he started pointing rifles at my fellow officers and the feds stepped in and stepped in and arrested. And you know what? He likes skin. He's a light skinned one. Of course. Of course he is. Yes. I told you, see, light skinned people violating again, y'all. And I'll tell you what, man. One of the times I've been the most scared in this profession as a cop and in uniform dealing with the protest. It was when, in fact, came to Louisville and marched. And if you read my book, I Am Pitts, I go into it very detailed about the day they came here. Yo, and just being caught in the crossfire between, in fact, and this other white three percenter group. And knowing that we were surrounded on all sides. We didn't have anywhere to go. If somebody started shooting, I was going to get caught in the crosshairs with all my police brothers. There was literally nothing we could have done, man. We would have just died right there in the middle you know, because, there, I mean, we had no cover. And we're just caught in the middle trying to make sure that each faction has their Second Amendment rights and the right, and they can bear their arms. Man, I mean, I remember seeing all these cats march through downtown wearing all black. They had an accidental discharge at the park before the march and shot two of their own people. Same thing happened at another rally of theirs in Georgia. Yo, but it's just the amount of hate. Just it was overpowering, overwhelming. Having other black people come up to me, fully decked and kitted out, telling me that I was a piece of shit and a race traitor and that I deserve to die. Because I'm making sure that you are here and able to exercise your amendments, your, you know, your constitutional rights. But you hate me for that. And it was just baffling, man. And just like I said, the amount of hate and spewing out of these people's mouths. There is nothing I can defend about Impact or any other group that's like them. I don't care what color they are. KKK, they're all the same to me. A bunch of mentally ill people with, you know, a bunch of losers with nothing going on in their lives. And all they have is their skin color to cling to. That's all they have. And this victim mentality, man. And the, you, that's the same with the KKK. In their minds, they're victims. This black separatist group, in their minds, they're victims. And they all live on the extremes. So none of them get you know, any clock from me. None of them get anything from me. They're all equally worthless and they're all garbage. Every last one of them. You know, I'm not placating on any side of this thing, man. You know, and I just, and I hate getting wrapped up in this stuff because... You know, as a cop, I'm here to do one thing. I'm here to not just help people, but ensure that people's constitutional rights are upheld. That is my only, I can say my only job, but that is the main purpose and function of my job. And to protect people so that when somebody does violate their rights, I can step in and help that person and help them get justice. That's it. That's the only reason I exist as a cop. And, you know, and I do, I do tell people, Having an understanding of different cultures and races does help. But at the end of the day, as a police officer, I am called upon to be an impartial party, despite my personal feelings. You know, and that's why I disagreed with the police department, Louisville Metro Police Department, my police department. You know, when we put 
a police car with the pride flag on it into the pride parade because I felt like that wasn't impartial. That's not fair. Hey, so we can put a car on a gay parade, but you know, Hey, if there was a, a, a different type of parade where like, say like a St. Patrick's day parade and people came, Hey, can we deck a police car out in some, like some green clovers and all this and some St. Patrick's day stuff? No, we can't do that. Why not? You did it for the gay, you know, for the gay community. You did it for the pride community. Why not this community? You know, we as police officers, we are not supposed to be getting bogged down in this type of stuff. And that's been one of the biggest issues with the police department the last few years, man. Getting bogged down in stuff we had no business getting bogged down in. You know, we had officers in uniform marching with Black Lives Matter. That's wrong. So if the, if a white group comes here, a white nationalist group that hates black people, and there's an officer, I would hope not, but I'm pretty sure there is, that's on this department. It's like, you know what? Hey, can I go march with them? Well, you had black officers that marched with Black Lives Matter. Why can't I march with these guys? You know, how would that be fair? It wouldn't be fair. But that's what happens when police departments get stop, stop being impartial and start playing favorites and playing politics. We do not exist in the realm of politics. We are cut and dry. What does the Constitution say? What does the law say? That's it. Under no other circumstances do we have anything to consider. And like I said, I'm not a big fan of our chief, but she did get that one right. And she realized that was an issue here and she has gone on to fix it. You know, and the, uh, the other reason I'm talking about this is because there is one topic I've really not discussed on this show because it is such an emotional topic and I have personal feelings on it. And it is such a supercharged topic. And that is the topic of abortion. And why am I talking about it now? Because the other day at work, I got called to the abortion clinic. We have an abortion clinic here in Louisville at uh, Second and Jefferson. And now I have been on this department a while and I have seen massive protests in reference to abortion at this clinic. And the, the wild thing about the protests at the abortion clinic, it was just you have people coming to, you know, pro-life people coming to protest and pro-choice people coming to protest. And either side, whatever side you stand on, it got wild and it got crazy and it got bizarre. I mean, I remember this a little old white lady that was out in front of the abortion clinic. This was a couple of years ago, like at one of the first protests over there I worked, you know, and I'm just being casual, sitting out there in uniform, making, keeping the peace. And I see this little old white lady walks by me. So how you doing, sir? I'm, I'm doing fine, ma'am. How are you doing today? I'd be a lot better if you weren't letting them kill your people. Excuse me. The babies, the little black babies they are killing in there. They're killing your people. What are you going to do about it? I was like, oh, God, here we go. Here we go. And she just started in on me. And I'm not here for that. I have my personal feelings on it, my own personal beliefs. But that's not my job. You know, then we had another lady. This was really nice looking white lady. And man, she was out there, you know, doing her thing. And how you doing today, ma'am? It's like, I'd be a lot better if you would get in here and do your job, officer, and let them stop killing all your people. Like, oh, my God, here we go again. Like, I couldn't even just strike up a normal, regular conversation with these people. You know, I'm not like I'm not here for that. But, man, she started in on me and I just looked at her husband. And I was like, man, I feel sorry for this dude because he probably has to deal with this all day, every day. And, and like I said, you have extremism on both ends of this thing. You know, some people will say. There's no such thing as being extreme when it comes to abortion. Trust me. Yes, there is. Absolutely is. 
You know, we had the crazies on the far right, you know, and then we had the crazies on the far left. And the one thing I enjoyed about the left side of the uh, the uh, pro-choice people was that their protest spun out of control so bad that it started spinning into other stuff that wasn't just uh, <laughs> and no pro-choice. Man, that's when I first time in my life I saw a black trans lives matter shirt. And I was like, yo, what? Yo, what's going on here? And then the next thing you know, we had a satanic cult came out. A satanic. It was my first time ever seeing a black Satanist. Like, wow. Like, that's interesting, man. And I remember this dude sitting there at the city square, like just doing his little Satan chant, man. Thank you, Dr. Satan. It was so interesting. And it just kept going further. I mean, it got more and more bizarre. It was very entertaining for me as a police officer. Like I said, the tensions were getting high. And I mean, you just had all these different far left groups that came out. And then one of the most weird thing was the uh, these ladies came out dressed up as as the handmaid's tale. Dude, I mean, it just I mean, it just kept going further and further and further, spiraling out of control. Then you had the pro-life people driving around downtown in these giant trucks, these box trucks with like videos and pictures of live abortions happening, you know, on videos on the side of the truck. yo, And it was just like, my God, dude. And this place has always been a hotbed for activity. I mean, every day there's something going on there at the abortion clinic. You know, there's people on both sides there. You got people that come to get an abortion. Then you have people from the abortion clinic that escort them into the clinic so that the people that are pro-life and a lot of them are Christians or, you know, people that are pro-life, you know, trying to talk these people out of having an abortion. You know, so I get called there again the other day. And it's been a while since I've been there. You know, I was there a few weeks ago and there's a lady from the church I attend that was there. She runs an organization and a program. Now, I don't know this lady personally. And we have this buffer zone in front of the abortion clinic. And it is, it is in this buffer zone where people are allowed to stay outside of the buffer zone and protest because it's on a public sidewalk. But however, the buffer zone, you're not allowed to go into the buffer zone. You can cross through the buffer zone, but you can't stay in the buffer zone, which is in front of the doors. And you can't touch anybody. So apparently this lady from my church was there and there was video of her violating the buffer zone thing and i was like man god i really don't want to have to do this and enforce the law on somebody i go to church with man but thank god my buddy montano stepped up and wrote the citation man i i just didn't want to get involved with that you know so we get called there the other day and while we're there you know it's we get called that there's been some sort of assault at this place and you know this guy's forcing this girl in here to get an abortion and then i get there and they'll people are hey officer how you doing and you can always tell the leader, the loudest guy with the bullhorn. So we get there and we're talking and I'm trying to do my due diligence to stay impartial because, like I said, I have my personal feelings on all this stuff. But I am not here to impart my personal feelings and beliefs on anybody at this thing. I am here to keeping the to keep the peace plain and simple. That is all I care about. And so I do my investigation and. You know, the guy's like, hey, this guy forced this girl. He's forcing her here to have an abortion. And what I did was, you know what? You know, they said that he was like dragging her and pulling and pushing on her. You know, so I go inside. I talk to the lady and I'm like, hey, are you OK? Were you hurt at all? Were there any violence? Do you feel are you being held against your will? No, I'm fine, officer. OK. And I walk back outside and then I start talking with the the Christian guy, the Bible guy. And I'm like, hey, sir, we don't have there's no crime being committed here. 
There's nothing I can do. And then he hits me with the, there is a crime being committed here. There's murder and there's babies being killed inside here. And you are violating their life and their constitutional rights. You are in, you know, and you are in breach of your oath to protect and serve. You need to do something, you know. And as a younger officer might get bogged down and pulled into that. But I've been doing this a little while. I know my job and I know what I'm here to do. I am here to enforce the Constitution. And this guy, I mean, he's just pointing, pulling, spitting and just ranting and raving. And all I can tell him, sir, look, I have my personal opinions and views. But when I'm in uniform, that is not what I'm here for. I'm here to be an impartial party. I can't do anything else here, sir. Well, you need to. And he just keeps going. I'm like, sir, I can't do anything. And the thing is, you as an officer in these situations, you have to know when to walk away. You have to know. And that's when I realized, you know what? There's no crime being committed here. Nobody's been hurt. These people have the right to be here to protest. And unfortunately, people have the right to come to this place and abort their child. Hey, that I don't I don't agree with it. But hey, I, I I'm only hey, I'm the police. I'm not here to be the moral police and tell you that you can or can't do this. You know? That's the law does not allow me to do that, unfortunately. Regardless of me having my own opinions and beliefs on it. So I leave and he just wants to argue and fight. And he realizes, you know what? You're not going to get me, dude, because the moment I cross that line, I'm violating somebody else's rights. I'm violating somebody else's, you know, somebody else's constitutional rights. And that's not what I'm here to do, man, unfortunately. But, you know, abortion is one of those topics, man, where it's just so hot and heavy. And I don't really discuss it a lot because, you know, I've I've been I'm not going to say I've been on the fence, but I guess as a police officer, I see so much with how messed up life is. And I believe that there's exceptions, but sometimes my faith and my job clash. And it's hard for me to see things because on one side, I know what the word, the Bible says, and I cherish life. And I can't debate with people on when life starts in the womb at like conception or, you know, embryos and all. I, I, I don't know people. I don't know. All I can tell you is I did not abort my children. I didn't. I love my babies. And I would never, ever consider going and having a child ripped out of my wife's womb or somebody else's womb. Anyone just have them killed. You're like, I just couldn't fathom that. Yo, but, you know, and I always say that there's exceptions, but my faith tells me that there is no exception to allowing the murder of an innocent life and a fetus in the womb. But my carnal side my work mind says what about a young lady that gets raped by like her father or some scumbag out here and she gets pregnant and like she's a young young lady like 9 10 11 12 years old would it be humane or would it be wouldn't it be inhumane to make her carry this child to term give birth to this child you know, and you know and no care and every time she look at this child just have this memory of what happened and how this child came to be from this person hurting her and taking advantage of her. But my spiritual side says, yes, this is an ugly situation, but you have seen yourself, Dexter. You have seen God take an ugly situation and make something beautiful out of it. And that's where I have this clash in my mind. Like, yo, my faith is strong and I believe that God can take this ugly situation and make it into something better. But the police side of me and the humane side of me sees that young girl 
that may be forced into an incident that she didn't want to happen. And the humane side of me says, man, that's not right for her to have to do that. But I have to side with my faith at the end of the day and believe that, you know what? God can take this ugly situation and make it something good. And a lot of people might say that's inhumane. You know what? But I don't serve an inhumane God. I serve a just God. I serve a God that loves me. I serve a God that loves that young girl that's been sexually assaulted and impregnated by a forceful rape. You know, I believe that deep in my heart. But like I said, that's as a Christian, y'all know I'm a rough around the edges Christian, man. And I try to keep it real Sunday through Saturday. And I'm not changing that. But I'm conflicted on it because I and I don't have the answers for all this stuff. I mean, you can throw Bible verses at me and people. Everybody thinks they got the answer on this and that. And the truth is nobody really does because there are just certain times and situations that happen in life and life gets ugly and there's evil in this life. And we have to learn to deal with that evil. And so, you know, when the guy was uh, talking to me and yelling and screaming at me in front of the abortion clinic, I was just thinking, he's like, what are you going to do about this? I can't do anything about it personally, but all I can do is pray. That's all I can do. And you know what? For that person that was yelling and screaming at me, that guy, if I would have told him that it wouldn't have been enough. Although him as a Christian, they out there praying every day. But they want me to take physical action. But me praying, which is one of the strongest things you can do as a Christian and connect to God is pray. I guarantee you, if I would have told him that hey, that wouldn't have been enough. He's like, no, that ain't enough. But prayer is more than enough. But he wants physical action. He wants me to physically intercede on this thing. And I can't do that. I refuse to do it. But prayer, you know, faith, believing, you know, and I've seen it before where people have gone in there and come out and change their mind. And I believe I believe in the power of prayer, you know, but that's why I tell people and the hardest part of this job is staying impartial. And we have to remain impartial. We have to. That is the most important thing in this job. And you cannot get bogged down by your emotions and personal feelings and just get pulled into this mess because you will not become an effect. You will be an ineffective officer because your emotions are pulling and tugging at you. You know, even my emotions, sometimes, you know, I have to keep myself in check because sometimes I get called the stuff that pisses me off. And I'm like, this isn't a real police issue. Why are we here? We had a lady the other day at the homeless shelter. I'm very familiar with her. She called us because she ordered a pizza on DoorDash and when she got her pizza, it was wrong. She throws the pizza on the ground, messes her pizza up, and then calls 911 because she's upset that her pizza was wrong. I'm like, this isn't a police issue. Why, why would you call us for this? But that's not what I said. That's what I said in my mind. That's what I said in my mind because it's a waste of my time. But you know what? Hey, this lady called me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do my best to serve her and treat her with respect because that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, ma'am, hey, sorry your pizza got messed up. I can't do anything. No crime has been committed. Maybe you should call DoorDash and report this incident to them because there's nothing I can do here. And you know what she said? You're right. Okay, thanks. I'm sorry I called you. Okay, have a good day. And then I walk off and I go back about my day. You know what it cost me? Nothing. Maybe five minutes out of a 12-hour day. And that incident was over. And I was done to move it on. You know, I remember looking at my partners. They're very young and they're like, bro, is this lady serious? I'm like, hey, bro. Hey, I agree. It's a stupid call. But you know what? Unfortunately, we got to go. And I, well, I think we shouldn't have to. I think they should. Oops, pardon me. I think that uh, we should uh, screen our calls a bit more. 
dispatch and make a call as to, hey, we're not sending cops on this. And I mean, we would save a lot of time if we did that. But let's be honest, that ain't going to happen. So if you call me because, you know, you can't find your shoelace. Hey, I guess I'm coming and I'll let you know. Well, I don't I don't have your shoelace, buddy. <laughs> I don't know what I can do. What do you want me to do for you? OK, hey, I'll, I'll do my best while I'm there to help you make you feel better and make you feel like your issue is the most important issue in my life as it is yours. That is what my that, that is what I do as a cop. I try to make you feel like the most important person in the world. No matter how idiotic I think you are in my head, no matter how stupid I think this thing is. But I see it's important to you. So I have to be an actor and suppress what I'm really thinking and feeling deep down and serve you the best way I know how and can. You know, and then shortly after that, we had another incident, another faith incident. And we get called to the 700 block of East Market Street. There's this bar down there and we get called that there's a man outside preaching on a speaker, disturbing everybody. So I'm like, what? So I drive down there and guess what's out there? There's a guy on a public sidewalk. He has a speaker out and he's preaching the word of God. He's a street preacher. Now, I have my personal opinion on a lot of these street preachers because I have talked and interacted with a lot of them. And a lot of them are cuckoo. A lot of them are out of their minds. Some preach good, but a lot of them are not people persons, bro. I'm telling you, when I tell you all that there are extremes in this world, I mean it. And just because you call yourself a Christian does not mean we going to be friends, homie. I'm a believer, but guess what? You won't catch me having these people at my house. You won't catch me with them being friends on Facebook. But you will catch me protecting their constitutional rights. So we pulled up and people were like, come on, man. He can't be out here, officer. He's out here disturbing everybody. So I look at him like, this man's on a public sidewalk. Like, you don't like it, leave. There's nothing I can do. And, you know, I just find it so funny that in America, we love free speech when it doesn't offend us. We love the Constitution and freedom when it's in alignment with what we think and believe. But we, my God, we are quick to call the police to have those freedoms shut down and take it away when it offends our sensibilities. How bizarre is that? You know, and this was a very, very, very woke crowd because it is a woke crowd that hangs out in this area all day, every day. You know, and they're mad at this street preacher for preaching the word of God in public. You know what? And I, you know what? That was the best part of my day. Just seeing them, all them yelling and pointing, do something. Yeah, get him out of here. And I just drive off and I get on the radio. Radio, be advised. This individual is exercising his First Amendment rights in the public space. I'm 10 8. <laughs> you know, and that felt good because I'm just like, man, you know what? There's, hey, this is America. This is what we do. It says in communist China or Russia. So you want to, you, there's something you want to speak out against, you can. You can do it all day. All day. You can protest. You want to protest? Protest. You know where they're protesting at right now? Michigan and Grand Rapids. And the police station closed down the other day up there and people were protesting and threatening to burn down the city because of this police shooting in Grand Rapids the other day. So this is the last thing we're going to talk about, people, and then I'm going to let you go. And so I'm going to go ahead and state this. I don't know all the facts. Nobody does. I only know what has been released to the public in the video I've seen. And I'm like I said, I don't know the facts. So I'm only speaking from my experience as an officer with 13 years on, okay? All right? 
Yeah, but it seems pretty clear cut and dry what happened. And everybody's already done their, you know, their breakdown of the shooting. Everybody's got their, you know, the YouTube channels and their podcasts already discussing it. So I'm late to the game because unlike a lot of people that's doing this stuff, I actually work, have a job I got to do outside of here. Okay. So, yeah, you're getting it from me, but you're getting it late. But still, I'm going to put my two cents into it and y'all take it from there. All right. And so what happened is the other day in Grand Rapids, Michigan, there was a young black guy driving a car named Patrick, probably going to butcher his name, Loya. He's not American. I mean, he's an American citizen, but he's an immigrant he's from Africa. So he's driving a car. Police officer decides to stop this car. The police officer's following behind him, runs the tags on the car and realizes that the car, that the tags do not belong to the car. So the cop turns on the lights, stops the individual driving the car. The individual immediately opens the door, hops out the car. The officer gets out the car, tells him, stay in the car, stay in the car. And then the suspect standing outside the car asks the officer, why'd you stop me? Why'd you stop me? You know, the stupidity of the suspect here alone, like, I don't know where it comes from with people, especially within the black community, because it happens a lot. Where when they get stopped, they hop out of the car and want immediate justification as to why they are being stopped. Listen, I understand you want to know why you're being stopped, but you can't do that. Well, you can, but I wouldn't advise you do that. That puts us on alert, man. You can't. I wouldn't advise that at all. Like when you hop out of your car, I'm thinking either A, you're about to run or B, you're about to try to kill me. That, that My mind doesn't go anywhere else. That's all I've known. People, that door fly open. There's a saying when I was a rookie cop, don't let their feet hit the ground before yours. And I still live by that because I've got to be ready to react and run or I got to be able to, ready to react and shoot back. You know, so the guy gets out the car and he's just not complying with the officer and the officer's telling him, hey, I ran the tags on this car. The tags don't match this car. And the guy's looking dumbfounded and trying to play it off. I don't know what you're talking about. The officer says, hey, do you have an ID on your driver's license? And the guy says, yes, it's in the car. And the officer, horrible mistake, which you never do, says, go get your, you know, go get your ID. One, you never let a suspect return to a car, especially if you have not searched that car because you don't know what's in that car. There might be something in that car that could hurt you. Now, there, I've heard the saying before in police work. Once the poop come out the butt, you don't put it back in. You just don't. And that was a horrible mistake on the officer's part. But I'm not here to just criticize the officer. I'm just pointing that out. I wasn't in a situation. And, you know, hey, I'm just speaking from 13 years of experience. That's all. So, you know, the guy starts, goes to the car, starts getting a little squirrely, starts getting a little, uh, you know, a little anxious. And the officer puts his hands on him, tells him to turn around. And the guy takes off running from the officer. And now this guy is not in great shape and is not a fast runner. So this guy makes it like maybe 20 feet to the sidewalk to somebody's yard. And the officer grabs him. So the officer grabs the guy and they're struggling. And the officer, you know, they fall down to the ground. The officer tells him to stop resisting, stop resisting. And I guess the suspect's friend hops out the car and he starts recording. So the officer's on the ground fighting with the suspect. And then the suspect somehow makes it back up to his feet. Then this dude is not little. This guy, Patrick uh, Loyola, he's not a little dude. He's, he's got some size on him. 
The officer seems taller, but not as thick as this guy. So the officer, while in close proximity to the suspect, pulls out his taser. And I believe he fires a shot, a taser shot. And I don't think it fully connected with the suspect. And so at this point in time, the suspect grabs the taser. And the officer says, let go of the taser, let go of the taser. And then they fall down to the ground and they start fighting. And the officer mounts the suspect. So the suspect is belly down on the ground and he's holding the officer's taser. The officer has his hand on the suspect's on the taser while the, uh, the suspect has his hand on the taser as well. And the officer's yelling at him while he's mounting on him. Drop the taser, drop the taser, let the taser go. Multiple commands and this guy is not listening. And then it's at this point. The suspect, or excuse me, the officer, pulls his service we service weapon, puts it in the suspect's back, fires a single shot. Okay, and then at that point, the officer gets on the radio, says, hey, shots fired, you know, give me some help here. His backup finally arrives, dude. I don't know where his backup was, but my God, it was unbelievable. Like, it, I don't, how, from the time the stop happened until... The time his freaking backup arrived, dude, yo, that was a long time, dude, especially for a major city. Like, typically, if I make a traffic stop, my partner's there in, like, less than, like, three minutes, man, like, tops. But, like, hey, I don't know what the situation was at work, staffing-wise. I don't know. I don't know. That's just me speculating. But it was just a long time for backup. So, you know, they start uh, first aid on the, uh, the suspect, and he eventually dies. And so now everybody's up in arms and saying that this officer unjustly killed this individual. And ladies and gentlemen, that is not the case. Some people have said, hey, this man was shot and killed because, no, his tags didn't match his car. That's not why he was shot and killed at all. That is not the reason. Now, if the cop would have stopped the car, walked up to this guy, said, hey, your tags you know, don't match this vehicle and pulled out his gun and shot him out of like, yeah, that's unjustified. He just murdered that guy because his tags and the vehicle did not match, yo. So that's not the case of what happened, man. When you decide in your mind, I am going to run from the police, and then you decide when you get caught by the police, I am going to fight the police. And then when you see an officer's taser, and you decide, you know what, I'm going to take the officer's taser. And then you decide, you know what, I'm going to ignore the officer's lawful commands and not let go of this taser. And people are like, well, it's just a taser. We don't. Why was he shot and killed? This is the same thing that happened in Atlanta with Rashard Brooks. And you all have to understand our training as police officers. And now Ben Crump, the lawyer, the piece of garbage lawyer, that's a chicken hawk, man. He goes around stirring all this crap of saying that the suspect was unarmed, an unarmed black man. Shot and killed maliciously in the streets by these evil white, white racist cops. That's not the case. This dude was not unarmed. He had the officer's taser. And, and y'all also have to realize that it's not just that. Even if this dude didn't have a physical weapon on him, what is the one thing police officers carry on them all the time? A firearm. Do you know what happens when you get hit by a taser? You become incapacitated. And when you are incapacitated as an officer, your firearm is open for grabs. That taser, it goes off for five seconds. It's a five second cycle and you cannot move. So if that individual 
were to have gotten the taser away from the officer, created space and distance, fired the taser at the officer, struck the officer, he could have moved in and took the officer's weapon and then fired it and shot and killed the officer. That is what could have happened. And that is what happened in this incident. That officer, now I can't, and I'm going to tell everybody, it's a justified shooting all day. All day long, the officer will be exonerated because it, this officer did not just unjustly target this guy for the sake of him being black and driving, you know, driving a car with expired tags. This individual made a series of decisions and mistakes and th that led to his demise. And this all could have been avoided had he just complied. He would still be alive you know, at the worst. I mean, we don't know what this guy's history. I don't know if he had warrants or not. I don't know. We don't even know if the car was stolen. Who knows what would have happened? But say that the car wasn't stolen and this guy didn't have warrants. I don't know, you know Michigan's laws, but I'm, I'm assuming that maybe at the worst, if it would have been, you know, what it was, this guy might have gone to jail for a few hours. And that's at the worst. And maybe that night might not have happened. Maybe this guy would have just got a ticket or a warning and the officer would have just towed his car. Maybe the officer would have just gave him a warning and just let the guy go and tell him, hey, make sure you have your stuff in the line, dude. Because the moment that officer stopped that car and he realized the tags did not match that car, my first thought was, oh, this is probably a stolen vehicle. We don't know that. That's why you stop and you investigate. And then I heard somebody say, reading the comments, Lord knows, God, don't read the comments. And somebody in the comments said, the officer should just let the guy go. You got the car and just run the VIN and find the guy later. Do, do you know how many people drive cars that don't belong to them? It, it, people See, people don't think about that stuff like it wasn't worth his life. It wasn't. Well, it, it, you know what? He shouldn't have ran and fought the officer, you know? And so, man, when you run these cars, dude, whose car, who the car belongs to is not necessarily who's driving it. If you run both of my cars, you pull my wife over. You run the tags, it's going to come back to me, not my wife, you know, because the cars are in my name. You know, so, you know, we had that part of it. You know, then we have people saying that, you know, and I've had people that I know that are good people have reached out to me about this and said, man, Dex, I just feel like this shooting was wrong and the officer didn't have to do that. And you know what? From the outside looking in Monday morning quarterback, I'm going to say, you know what? I don't think the officer was not wrong for what he did. In his mind, at that situation, man, he's probably exhausted. He's tired and fighting this guy that's bigger than him. This guy's got his taser, and he's realizing that he's going to lose this fight if he doesn't do anything, and his life is hanging in the balance. And the officer makes the judgment call to shoot this guy. You know what? Not every officer out here is equal. Not every officer trains jujitsu. Not every officer has the strength to wrestle somebody for three, four, five minutes and maintain themselves, dude. People, the people that are saying that are people that have never been in a physical altercation with somebody. You don't know how fast your strength expires in these situations. And that's where it becomes important to have backup to help come save your ass when you get in these situations. But his backup wasn't there. I don't know where his backup was, yo. But, dude, when you're fighting somebody, dude, your adrenaline is pumping, dude, your muscles, you are extremely, I mean, you are zapped and worn out. You don't realize how tired you get. And like I tell, I don't train jujitsu personally, but there are a lot of officers, officers that do. And a lot of officers are saying, well, if that officer had been trained in jujitsu, maybe he wouldn't have shot and killed that guy. Who know? I don't know. 
Maybe, I don't know, maybe this officer does train jujitsu. That's a lot of what ifs, a lot of what ifs. You know, there's a lot of things that the officer could have done differently. But guess what? He made that choice and I support him in that choice. You know, it's easy for me to sit here and anybody else behind a microphone, you know, in my closet chilling. I'm not under stress. I'm not breathing hard and heavy. And I don't have my firearm on me right now because I'm relaxed and chilling. It's easy for me to say, well, you know what? Yeah, I wouldn't have shot him. You know, I've been in very similar situations and I haven't shot anybody. But not every situation is the same. Situations change. The dynamic changes. And we try to take these situations and throw a blank canvas over it and paint them all the same. And that's just not how it works. And so a lot of people are upset and saying that the officer was wrong. That officer was a piece of crap. No, this is not the officer's fault. This is the suspect's fault alone. He woke up that morning and made a choice to do what he did, drive that car, get out of the car, to disobey the officer's lawful order, run from the police, then fight the cop after the cop tells, told him to stop fighting him. You know, then, the officer, then he refuses to let go of the taser and then ends up dead. This was the same with Rashard Brooks. Now, like I said, there are a thousand other things the officers could have done, probably. But in his mind, dude, when you're trying to think that fast under stress, and you know your life is hanging in the balance, unless you've been in that situation, shut the hell up. Okay? People don't know. People have no clue and no idea what it's like. It is not fun. And now this officer's life is going to be completely changed for the rest of his life. You know, they're not releasing the name of the officer, but I can tell you now, somebody already saw that video. There's probably somebody that's woke on the police department that uh, sides with BLM that has given this officer's name out and information and where he lives. I guarantee you that officer is going to have to go into hiding for the rest of his life, all because he was trying to do his job and all because this individual decided to make a chain of bad decisions that led to his own demise. This is not on the officer, ladies and gentlemen. And I know what you're saying. Yes, there's a million what ifs that could have been done. But stop putting everything at the feet of the police. We are constantly trying to change police culture, the way police do everything. But we never look at the culture that we're policing against and the decisions that these people are making that, into, that, you know, that lead to their own demise. It's always the fault of the officer, never the person. Why is that? Why can't somebody say, man... Yeah, bro, but this dude shouldn't have did all that and he would still be alive. It's okay to say that, man. It's okay to say that there are issues within the black community with he was scared. We don't trust the police. So he did what he knew how to do a run. Okay, I hear you out on that. I trust. I hear you, but I don't agree. You know what? If you feel like you are being taken advantage of by the police and that you are you know that there is an injustice happening against you. Why fight in that moment with the man with the gun? with backup coming and you're by yourself and you know, you're not going to win. Why fight in that moment? And this is what I would also tell you. Think about it. Would you rather be targeted by an evil racist cop? And I'm not saying that that cop was evil and racist. I don't know that cop, but what I am saying is think about it. I'd rather be falsely arrested, falsely targeted, taken to jail, get released, get me a lawyer Sue that officer, sue that department and walk away with a bunch of money in my pocket as opposed to being escorted to the morgue and then to the cemetery with a bullet in my back because I felt that the stop was unjust. See, there is a lack of education within the black community. And this is also what I was talking about earlier with the media stoking the fear 
with black people in the back of their minds that if I get stopped by this cop, man, oh, he's going to put a bullet in the back of my head. I'm black and I'm being targeted by the police because I'm black. And you got dummies like LeBron James saying black people are being hunted down and killed in the street. That is not the case, people. That is not the case in this. This officer was doing his job simply. And he found himself in a very unfortunate situation. And now I will say this, hindsight 2020, you know, from looking from a perspective of a senior officer, the one mistake the officer did make was pulling his taser in such close proximity to this individual. A lot of people don't realize tasers do not work up close. So there's two probes in the tasers, okay? So when the tasers, when the, when the probes hit you, if they're close together, the electrical spread of those probes is not going to be very wide, and you're not going to get a good connection. But the further those probes are away, the taser has a, you know, a, um, it can go from about 25 feet. That's a pretty good distance, man. If you hit somebody from 25 feet, you're going to get a good spread, like in the torso, maybe down to the thigh. And once you get that kind of spread, and you hit that button that person will immediately lock up and they will seize up and they can't move. And it hurts like hell. Trust me, I've had it done to me. It is not fun. You will comply if you get, if you get hit with a good taser, man. Yo, but the officer, you know, put himself at a disadvantage pulling his taser at such a close proximity. And when he did that, man, he opened that taser up to be taken by that suspect. But now you can say, well, I'm not putting the blame on the officer for pulling the taser. I feel like that's just a training issue. I feel like a lot of officers are over dependent on the taser nowadays because everybody's afraid to go hands on. You know, I, I do I, the times I pull out my taser very few in between because I'm very confident with my hands and my ground capabilities. And I don't train jujitsu that often. I'm just used to be in decent shape. Not as good as I used to be, but I'm not afraid to go hands on with somebody. I'm not afraid to do that. But you have a lot of officers when they get in these close proximity battles, they panic and they immediately go to that stinking taser, man. And that taser don't always work. You got to take into consideration when you pull the taser, you know, how close you are to this person. Because distance is your friend. Distance is always your friend. Creating distance is what you should always try to do. But like I said, you got not every situation is the same. Sometimes you got to close the gap. And, you know, then you also got to take into consideration the clothes this person's wearing. This guy had on a sweater. That probe, when he shot that taser, might not have stuck it to that guy's skin and muscles. Might not have worked. You know, so these are considerations you have to take into effect when you're involved in these type of situations. But it's a lot easier to say that from the outside looking in. Like I, said, I know me personally because I've been doing this long enough. I don't know how long this officer's been on the streets. That's why I say it's just a training issue. But regardless, the officer was justified in pulling out the taser. And the only thing that might get the officer in trouble, I don't know, is I don't know what kind of taser it was. If it was the, uh, I forget the name, like the X2, which is the one I carry. It's got two separate cartridges in there where if you fire it, you have another shot left. So you get two shots. I used to carry the X26 was a single shot taser. Had a little block on the front, you fire it, boom. That shot was done. You would have to load another cartridge in and then um, and shoot that one. So I don't, I couldn't tell from the video if the uh, officer was carrying the X2 or whatever it is, the double taser. So, you know, if the only thing is, well, I can't even really say that that would be wrong because that individual, even if both shots were still fired, 
you can still use the taser to drive stun somebody where the shots have already been fired. You take the taser and you press it against their skin and pull the trigger. It will it will shock the hell out of you. Trust me. Had it done. It is not fun, man. So, yeah, that's you no, know, that's pretty much the breakdown. So people are out in the streets protesting, calling it an unjust killing and an unjust murder of an unarmed black man. And that is not true, ladies and gentlemen, at all. You know, we could sit here and play the what if game all day, all day long. And know what? No, what if they ain't going to get you anywhere? The guy made his decisions. He's dead. The officer won the fight and he's going home. And I hate it. And no, I wish it wouldn't have happened. I wish that the individual would have thought maybe 10 steps ahead. Like, dude, you know what? I'm just going to take this ticket or just go to jail. You know, but he made the choices he made. And I said, I'm still waiting for more facts to come out about this thing. I want to know if the car was stolen. I want to know whose car it was. You know, I want to know who, where were the, were the plates that were on that car? Were they stolen? I want to know if this guy had warrants. I want to know this individual's criminal history. You know, you know, then the family's stepping up. And of course, the family's going to be mad when you have a loved one that gets killed no matter what. Even if it's by the cop and the cop is justified, it's going to hurt you. Now, you got to bury a loved one, man. That's never fun, no matter the circumstances, just or unjust. It's just, you know, but they need a villain. And, of course, the police are going to be the villain. But they're saying, you know, he would never do that. You know, he would never. He wasn't a violent person. But, dude, you got to look at the video. The video speaks for itself. The cop, the, guy, the individual was fighting with the officer. But this is another thing we as cops have to look at, too, though. You know, you have people that are trying to run away from you and get away from you versus you have a suspect wanting not to just fight you, but to kill you. Two very big, distinct categories. But at any time, that mindset could change. So when I first saw the video, I saw the individual running, trying to fight to get away from the officer. But I saw the transition to where when he grabbed the officer's taser to it wasn't him necessarily trying to get away but trying to find a way to fight back against the officer. And that's what, you know, hey, and like I say these situations, you know, they change in a split second, and you have to be ready to change and adapt to whatever it is the suspect was doing. You know, like I said, when the suspect got caught, I think he realized the gig was up, and the only way he's going to get away is he's going to have to fight the officer, which was a bad choice, very bad decision that cost him his life, man. So, like I said, that's one thing a lot of young officers don't think about. You know, it's, hey, is this guy trying to kill me or is he just trying to get away from me? You know, and I constantly, you know, this is why experience counts when you're a street cop and you're a young cop. You have to have senior officers that are like, yo, this guy, you know, he's aggressive. You know, it, you have to look at people's body language, their stance. Is his fist balled up? What's his facial expressions are saying? You know, is he coming at me aggressively or was he backing away from me trying to create space so he can run? This is and like all this stuff is happening within seconds, man. I mean, the situation is moving and unfolding rapidly. And you as an officer have to be able to make a decision quickly and, and analyze all this stuff. And not only that, you got to take into account to your policy. You got to take into account all the different tools on your belt. And you got to take into account, unfortunately, nowadays, how's it going to look if I do this? Is this going to be the right thing? Well, I will be clear, you know. By law, state law, I'm, be, I'm I'm allowed to do this, but is my administration going to back me if I do this? And that's a scary thing. And that small split second of doubt is what gets officers hurt and killed. And that is why politics and policing should never mix. It should never be on your mind as an officer is I'm allowed to do this, but how's it going to look if I do it? 
that is what is getting us killed, ladies and gentlemen. So, man, this has been, you know, the Iron Pits podcast, man. And that was my quick breakdown. Some of you all might like it. Some of you might not. Hey, hey, it is what it is. Hey, if you want to rebuttal, you know, what I said, hit me up on the uh, Iron Pits uh, Facebook page or hit me up on the Iron Pits book on Instagram. And um, as always, man, thank you all for tuning in. Well, I didn't realize how long this one was going. I really got into the zone on this one, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> My bad. I, I'm taking y'all away from Jesus on Easter Sunday. I am truly sorry. And with that being said, I know I probably said some stuff that offended y'all today. I'm not here to apologize to the light-skinned community. Okay, I'm joking. I am. I'm sorry, light-skinned people. I'm just making fun of y'all. And Jesse Smollett, hey, I'm sorry, bro. I'm just... I'm going to be nice to you, man. Hey, tell your sister I said what's up, okay? So, <laughs> you know, but regardless with all the stuff going on, this is Easter Sunday. And I'm a man that loves Jesus Christ and I believe in the Lord. He is my Lord and Savior. Although I am a dirty, filthy sinner and I am the worst of these and all. But I am thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on this day. And that is where I get my hope from to keep doing this job. And that is where I get my hope from, that the people that I've talked about on the show today, the black supremacists, the white supremacists, the guy that got killed up in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. You know, dude, there's so much hatred in the world. But I have hope that goes beyond what I see physically and what I do as a cop. I have hope beyond the abortion clinic and people protesting and praying, man. My hope rests all on Jesus Christ. That is the only thing I have. And I realize that how I feel personally about these people doesn't matter. And regardless of how I feel, all these people, all their dirty sins, no matter how many people they have hurt and killed, they are all God's children. And I am not called to pass judgment on these people, although I do, because that's something I got to work on. That's, you know, that's one of my biggest battles, man. I pass judgment on people a lot because I'm a cop. It's what I do. And like I said, I have a hard time sometimes separating my spiritual life from my professional life because they constantly intertwine and constantly contradicting each other. But at the end of the day, I know that God calls me to serve these people, even the ones that I deem are unworthy and unlovable. God still loves them. And that's why God didn't put me in charge because I don't have the capacity to love like to love them like he loves me. You know, I don't have that capacity in me, but I'm trying to work towards that as much as possible. I'm trying to get better by the day and it's a struggle and it will always be a struggle, but I do realize that. And so I do my best to treat these people, no matter what they've done or what they've said with the utmost respect and the utmost dignity, because the Lord loves me despite my flaws. And you know what? I'm no better than any of these other people. I got my skeletons in my closet. I've got things I've done in my past that I'm not proud of. Trust me. Nobody out here is perfect. As y'all heard me say, people going to people and best believe Dexter Pitts is people. And I do people stuff all the time. All right. I'm just happy to be in a position where, you know, with my job, I can see the worst of people every day. But how dare me look in the mirror and not see myself like these other people and think I'm better? How dare me? But that's why I'm glad I have Jesus Christ, because he's the great equalizer. And in his eyes. We are all the same, no matter what we have done or how highly we think of ourselves. None of us are better than the others, man. We are all dirty, filthy sinners in God's eyes. But thank God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth to die for our sins, to give us another chance to get this thing right. So 
Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pitch podcast. Thank you all for tuning in to listen to me rant and rave and stumble through this one again. Like I said, I'm getting better every day. Like I'm trying to start looking into possibly starting a YouTube video channel. I'm trying, but like I said, I ain't got that much time. So I'm figuring things out as I'm slowly going along. I'm about halfway through with the audio book. Still working on that. And other than that, ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty much it. So if you could, please leave me a review on uh, Apple iTunes or Spotify. Hey, and like I said, the book I Am Pitts is out. Memoirs of an American Patriot. Hey, go to IamPitts.com and grab yourself a copy. Shoot me an email at IamPitts at Yahoo.com if you want a signed autograph copy, okay? Tell your friends about the book. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your mammy. Tell all your church members about it. Hey, springtime's coming. If you're bored and you need a good read or something to listen to, the I Am Pitts brand is what you need. Go ahead and put that out there for me, all right? Man, you all enjoy your families on this beautiful Easter day. Take care. Remember to love on one another. And remember that you are not special or better than anybody just because you got a title in front of your name or a little money in your pocket. All right? So treat everybody with respect and dignity, okay? Y'all have a good one, and I will see you on the next one.